Hello, happy Friday, or whatever day it is when you're listening to this. Uh, welcome to the BZ Listening Podcast. I'm your host, BZ Douglas. And just up top here, I wanted to make a quick announcement that this will be the last show I'm putting out for the next month or so. I'll be on a single dad adventure toward the end of August when my wife Deb is going off to Italy for about two weeks. Um, But before I take a break, I I did just want to take a moment before I get into the the episode to kind of reflect on what the podcast started out as and, and what I hope it'll become. So the genesis of this show came about a year ago, actually, and it really just dawned on me how many incredible grassroots musicians I'd met and how easy it was to continue to find them and that it'd be a pretty sustainable uh, show to just feature one musician per week. Uh, It was slow going for me at first as I got the hang of editing and and just adhering to a deadline. Um, But I'd been looking to try out podcasting for for several years, and it wasn't until I realized... um, that I could elevate all these incredible talents that I really I hit upon a, a backbone format for the show. And before long producing it, um, I just started thinking of all the activists I've met um, between my time in New York, uh, witnessing the Occupy movement and participating in that, and then the 2016 Bernie Sanders primary campaign, and now in Cleveland attending protests against Trump's numerous horrific policies. Um, it, it, it just started to feel like that as I went into this platform, um, I really, I don't, it kind of hit me with this interview today, actually. Um, I, I realized that this show is, is sort of my version of, of running for office, which is not something that I think is in the cards for me or I have the temperament for, uh, only instead of, you know, Going that route where you're replacing a a corrupt or ineffectual politician, uh, I'm trying to replace some aspects of a a complacent and and absentee media. And, and, you know, with musicians, that's it's easy to see that, like, you know, there's so much talent that just goes overlooked until people get to a certain threshold. And even then they they need an army of, of publicists to push through and really get any any headway. So. Um, I just love being that part of the media that just shines a light on really great talent uh, um, on, on when it comes to music and the arts. And if it, it feels equally great to shine a light on talent in the activist space uh, with journalists. Um, by far, the, the highest rated downloaded episode of the podcast so far has been my interview with journalist Robert Evans, who is, um, he's really coming into his own now, um, considering how much he documents uh, how the right has been radicalizing people online and how that manifests in the kind of shootings we've been seeing in the news. Probably there will be another one by the time this posts or by the time you listen to it, there will be several more. Um, I highly recommend going back and listening to that episode if you haven't been uh, perusing the archives or you're new here. That's... um, one of my proudest moments with the podcast and it really emboldened me to kind of go forward and reach out beyond the circles I already have of, of activists to highlight their work. And I guess what I'm getting to is, is so when the show picks back up in September, I'm going to be rolling out more regular political segments. Um, in my interview uh, today, it, it really leads into this. Uh, my guest is Jane Arnoff Logson. I met Jane uh, randomly last year. We were both cast in a play as part of the Maryland Bianchi Kids Playwriting Festival. Uh, it's a really just fun local thing here where uh, kids K through 12 write plays. And, and anyway, uh, as castmates do, we became friends on Facebook. And eventually Jane started inviting me to uh, events for group called Stand Up to Trump CLE. Uh, I wasn't able to make any of those. Then on July 12th, uh, I took, um, me and the whole family went out to an event called Lights for Liberty. Uh, It was in coordination with other events all over the country and organized by Cleveland Jobs for Justice, Indivisible CLE, the Immigration Working Group of Cleveland, 
Action Together, Lakewood area, the Women's March, Northeast Ohio, Stand and Stand Up to Trump CLE, and the Cuyahoga County Progressive Caucus, and and several others. Uh, a lot of a big group. Um, and it was a call to end the immigrant detention and family separation to defund ICE. So I'm at this event, and to my surprise, the MC that was introducing everyone and really doing the work of firing up the crowd was my old castmate, Jane. So the day after the event, I reached out to her and asked her to be on the show, and I am very excited to share our conversation about activism, organizing, just how fucked we are under Trump. Um, you know, one of the things that really came up for me in this interview is like, as, as confident as I am, like getting up and, and performing in a play or doing, you know, impromptu speaking in an open mic or playing music, I have a real timidity and shyness when it comes to like calling my representatives and and showing up to canvas and and doing things like that. It, it it's a hurdle I have to get over. Um, so it actually leads me to a footnote I want to mention is sort of a preemptive footnote. Uh, towards the end of the episode, I mentioned that I w- was planning on attending a town hall for my local House uh, representative, Marsha Fudge, to urge her to commit to impeachment. And I am very happy to report that I did attend. And the info packets handed out by her staff contained a pocket copy of the Constitution and a list of instances of obstruction of justice from the Mueller report, along with page citations. And so um, instead of having to convince her of anything uh, with regard to impeachment, I I just used my time to thank her for her support for impeachment. Uh, Apparently it goes back to 2017. And to voice my concern, and I get into this with Jane a little bit, that I worry that no matter how strong of a candidate, whoever the Dems inevitably choose in the primary, it's starting to feel a bit risky to assume that Trump and the GOP are just suddenly going to start playing by the rules. There are so many mechanisms of voter suppression at their disposal, it's... mm, It has me worried uh, to just assume we're going to have a free and fair election. Um... So then uh, I, 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 I did that within a briefer amount of time, and I asked her to take my copy of the book, which I would recommend to everyone here to read, uh, The Constitution Demands It. It's by Ron Fine, John Bonifance, and Ben Clemens. It lays out a very detailed case for impeachment, and much of it does not hinge upon what's in the Mueller report at all. Uh, so second, uh, I got it, this episode out a little later than I prefer and not early enough for one of the events that Jane plugs at the end. But, uh, until this administration is reined in, I'm sure there will definitely be more events to come from stand up to Trump CLE. You can find them on Facebook. They will be linked in the footnotes. Uh, lastly, before I get into the interview, I do just want to plug, if you want to, uh, keep in the know of events that are coming up, uh, there will be some big announcements in September with what, what's happening with the podcast, as well as shows that I'm putting on. If you head over to, uh, there is a subscribe link. You can sign up for a mailing list. Uh, from there, you can also find the Facebook page and, you can keep in touch. And if you uh, want to become a supporter of the show, Patreon, that's always supported. Uh, uh, or That's always, of course, it's always supported. It's very much appreciated. Uh, that's something else that I hope to be having some announcements with coming up in September or if not sooner. If you are on the mailing list, those will all go out. So this is, uh, for anyone new to the show, this is by far the longest I've ever gone with an introduction. I uh, apologize if you're just here to get into the meat of uh, what Jane and I talk about, but I did just want to kind of have a nice little state of the podcast and signing off for the month. And I really want to thank all of my listeners from the bottom of my heart. And I'm going to stop talking now and get into my interview with Jane Arnoff Logson, organizer with Stand Up to Trump, CLE. Thank you. I'll see you when I get back. So I have political guests every now and then just so I can I can get my outlet of just chatting about how fucked up the world is for a bit. <laughs> oh, I'm always happy to do that. <laughs>
<laughs> and learn a bit more about how to be more effective too. And that's, that's, I'm really interested in talking to activists and, uh, you said, you know, quite a few. So where does your political consciousness kind of kick off? Well, thanks for having me. Um, I, you know, I often consider that question, and I know that growing up, my parents were pretty liberal, and I've I've heard my parents referred to as, you know, kind of hippy dippy. I I did I definitely picked it up from them. It was not always overt. It's not like they were constantly volunteering, but it was clear during the time of a presidential election, or if there were issues at stake where people had to kind of take sides. It was clear that they had a strong left leaning. And also, I think my mom especially was involved in the community, just volunteering or seemed also engaged in the world, seemed to care deeply about humanity and goodness and, you know, uh, justice. So, I mean, I feel like that that definitely must have seeped in for me. So it was sort of like osmosis as opposed to like they weren't like what I guess someone uh, more crassly would say they weren't indoctrinating you. Which no. I hate when people say that about I've taken like my kids to a climate march and then a photo of us or something will be online and people will be like, I can't believe you're indoctrinating your kids. It's like that's all you do with children. Right. You you, sh you show them who you are. And, yeah. And hopefully the good parts do kind of. Yeah, like you say, by osmosis seep in. Yeah, I don't think they, you know, put me on my brother on the shoulders, you know, at a Anderson political march in the 70s or something. But, I mean, I just feel like I can sort of picture bumper stickers and, you know, different, even things that we had around the house. Mm -hmm. And the message was clear about their views. Do you remember, um, I, and I, I'm going to ask this question because um, it's, it's weird for me to like the answer for my old, my youngest son, Charlie. Um, so I was going to ask, do you have, remember like one of the first things that kind of disturbed you about like the world, like socially or politically that when you learned about it? Um, Cause for my youngest son, both of them really, their introduction to politics has been Donald Trump. And the first thing I'm they sorry. paid attention to on the news that they were just like, what's happening? And we weren't even like, sit, we're going to sit you down and tell you about the world. They just caught. They're like, he's putting kids in cages. Mm -hmm. That's why, you know, we've, you know, I made sure to go to the Lights for Liberty thing in these vigils because it's 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 they understand it. And they actually started asking about it. Right. I think it reminds me also of my kids. They're my boys are 12 and. 14 and they were raised on president obama and of course at that age didn't necessarily put it together but again i think it kind of seeped in and my boys are both they happen to be um one is african-american one is biracial and you know they even visually could find someone that they identified with and was such a great role model for them and now they're at the age where they really do they learn about it in school i mean one's going to be in high school and one's going to be in eighth grade and you know, now they're really taking in Trump on their own level. And it's just a really kind of interesting yet horrifying contrast. And um, so that just made me think of that. And so I've, what I think what stands out for me is when I was maybe seven or eight, maybe, maybe, maybe nine, I was, it was during the holiday season. And I remember seeing all the Christmas specials and I'm Jewish. And I remember feeling put off because there was no there were no Hanukkah schedule or Hanukkah programs so I wrote a letter to a news station to ask why that was so and um they did write me back you know some sort of I mean I can again I can kind of picture the typed the font of the you know typewriter letter and they you know thank you for bringing this up and you know we do try to incorporate different cultural um traditions during the season and I remember just being so aggravated to be not included at that age. I mean, that's what it felt like. And um, so maybe that was my first, you know, somewhat social activist act. And I also remember in high school when the whole Iraq, when the, the very first Iraq kind of conflict and um, 
the the our, our involvement in Iraq began. I do remember protesting that um, standing up and and you know also be developing more of a intellectual understanding of what was going on and participating in some protest and um, so those are two that stand out to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I sometimes I wish I had that head start on just paying attention to things because I did not at all. There was nothing in my house. Like, you know, my parents were just, they'd go to work. My dad was in the Air Force. He actually worked for Reagan. Mm-hmm. He was like the sound technician, not like a political person or whatever. But the, you know, I think I broached politics first in my family. And one day I was just like, what is it? I keep hearing Democrat and Republican. Mm-hmm. What are those? And I was just told, well... We're Republicans because they want less taxes. Mm-hmm. That was that was it. that, yeah. <laughs> and and yeah, my memory of the first Gulf War was just sitting in my living room and seeing that it had started, and I was like, "Oh, whoa, we're at war!" All right, I'm gonna go play Nintendo. Right, it didn't really occur to you to think any further about it. No, I was like, "Oh, that's okay." Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll just it'll be another date I'll have to learn about in school or something. You know, I just had a complete. Detachment. It wasn't until like in my twenties when I just started realizing like how how little I had been in the like paying attention to the world. Nine eleven did a lot of that for me. Just mm. really, and like what is happening? And right, woke me up. So, and then I've been peripheral to a lot of activism. I I I don't know why I have this timidity towards getting involved, and I I don't know if it's just a matter of like I don't I don't connect with like the efficacy of it or I, and I'd go back and forth from like seeing the value of like, you know, forgetting that like the reason you show up to a rally is to be around those people and to feel that solidarity sometimes as much as it is to like just put yourself on the line and hold your hand up and say this is wrong. Um, but I'm curious uh, how how your activism history has evolved to the point where now you're helping organize things. And what have you seen as some of the more effective uh, actions you've participated in that, that were heartening? I think also I'm a social worker by profession, and I've always been, I guess, tuned into injustice, and I've had, I guess, what you call a compassionate heart towards any, I mean, any kind of injustice or... Um, I mean, anything from animals to people to, you know, any kind of something that I find unjust. I think even from when I was younger, from when I was a child, I would, I wouldn't necessarily speak up about it sometimes, but I would feel it. So I think I got involved in my probably my early 20s with the third wave feminism movement, Rebecca Walker, Alice Walker's daughter, mm-hmm. which I'm not sure is what their status is right now in terms of activism, but I got really involved. What's a shorthand of third wave feminism just for. Oh, sure. So it's, it's like the, I was probably, you would associate it with the generation Xers, you know, it's, it's sort of reinterpreting the kind of seventies, Gloria Steinem feminism with the, I mean, this was back in the nineties. So, you know, with, with a little bit more of what was going on there, currently um i think just continuing you know the idea of the continuing the wave continuing the momentum of of feminism and integrating the growth from the the what you would call you know the first and second waves and um you know how people of that generation i mean we felt very modern back in the 90s and again now it already seems dated now but i mean as as women spoke out and as women were working it was expected that women were working outside the home and were defining themselves not just in relation to a a husband i think it was it was understanding and and speaking out and further clarifying women's status in our society Mm. so i got involved in starting a chapter of uh, third wave in minneapolis where i was living at the time and um I think, again, I, I was a women's studies major in college, and it was not an established major at that time, but I, I, had to, I created it with the help of uh, someone who came before me. Anyway, I'm, let, me, hmm. let me rein it in here. Um, but, I mean, that was something I definitely felt strongly about 
at that time in my life. And I'm not, not to say I'm not, I mean, whatever a feminist means today, it's, you know, again, so much has happened. And, and now with the Me Too movement and how much things have evolved, and I, you know, I have a little bit of um, perspective being a little older now. I think, I mean, I would definitely still define myself as a feminist, but I think that's not necessarily on the forefront of issues that are, that I'm focusing on right now. Right. So, well, I, the, yeah, I mean, just because, yeah, we, we kind of were unraveling a sweater here. But right. yeah, so so that was like your first sort of going into like regular activism is uh, with feminism or with a uh, feminist group in, in you said Minneapolis. Yes. Um, so what how has that evolved over the years as far as what what your level of organizing and, and what sort of actions you think are effective? I think I I'm not sure if I. You know, I'm just kind of fast forwarding. I, I mean, I've, I, again, I've always been aware. I, you know, I, I've always been sort of tried to keep my pulse on what's going on mm-hmm. in terms of activism. Um, I think it's so over the last, you know, ever since um, you know who was elected. I mean, I've definitely gotten very fired up and have just felt so, so driven by the events of the day and the fact that like you were saying before i think people do tend to be a little however you want to call it wary nervous scared so but i think on the other on the opposite end of the spectrum i think people have become really passive because of the internet you know it's like well i tweeted this out or i you know i posted this or i signed this petition so that means i did something and i was in my living room so i think that it's people who are willing to really get on the front lines and organize. I mean, I just, I don't, and I'm not saying it in a judgmental way because not, it's just like anything. I mean, I'm not going to try to do certain things because it's not my forte. It's not my comfort zone. I'm comfortable organizing. I'm comfortable getting a group together. I'm comfortable speaking in front of people. I'm comfortable setting up a demonstration. And I was, you know, a little wary at first, but, you know, first of all, I'd done it before. And secondly, I, I feel I don't have a choice. I mean, that's my personal value. I, I mean, I cannot just, I mean, I can do the, you know, I do the the social media as well, but I can't stop there. I, I just feel very driven. And I feel that right now there's so, so many um, problems, so many um so many of the dynamics are disturbing in our society right now. You know, I find Trump just, I find him very difficult to stomach. I mean, every day it's something else. And I just feel like I can't, uh, I can't, I mean, I say, you know, to the, if I say to a crowd, you know, don't, don't just stop here. You know, we got to keep going and whatever that means for you. I mean, I think social media is very effective. Don't get me wrong, but I think that, getting people out there, like with Lights for Liberty, which was a couple of weeks ago uh, at Market Square. I mean, we had five to 600 people out there and it was just a really... And what we're just so, yeah, yeah we yeah. Get, make sure everyone gets credit. Uh, the groups that are involved, that was... It's... Yeah, yeah, there are about, about eight groups and we, I mean, I just said, hey, because I, I have met some other real powerhouse organizers just mostly and again social media that's how i've met a lot of people or someone will say you know you got to meet so and so or someone will say hey i saw you at such and such you know you should connect with you know so this sort of powerhouse um group of organizers we i mean we connected it with the the national lights for liberty so we just started one here and um yeah that i mean i just think the energy and the momentum and the clear um um Amount of the amount of people indicated how how many people are concerned. And I got to uh, go back and read the specifics, but as I recall, like the whole Lights for Liberty thing too, that was just started by one pissed off woman in a small state. I think. Yeah, I think that um, I again we can go back and get her name because she's she's got a hyphenated name. I'm not going to try to mangle it. Mm-hmm. So um, she, but she was also connected to. Um, she started this, she and some others started this Lights for Liberty and made it into a 501c3 and, you know, just kind of built the momentum again on social media. I mean, it started, you know, whoever she sent it out to or whoever her colleagues sent it out to and, and really built up. And, yeah, it was all over the world, not just the country. Now, again, what's here we are. That was July 12th. We're at August 2nd. What impact has it made? I feel like it's 
I feel like people are still riding the momentum of that. And I think right now it's really important, or per, what I feel is important is just that, yeah, keep those things, keep doing that. I mean, there's a vigil, what, this Sunday? There's a vigil on the 11th. Or, uh, yeah, on the 11th. Right, okay, through yeah. Never Again Action, which is a, you know, what you'd call a Jewish-based organization that are... I mean, this is this is tricky. I don't want to get too into it, but you know, the idea of Jews having survived the Holocaust, and you know, I, there's a lot to say about are these these internment camps, are these are these camps that are being used for migrants and immigrants? Yeah, I've seen that sensitivity, and and I can appre- I can certainly appreciate that. Like, it is not a one to one analogous thing, but I think it's hard to deny that like they are denigrating just human decency on a level that is is it's on par it's on par it may they're not collecting and rounding up all these people in the same i mean not they're, quite but they're it's darn close well no they are in america now i mean yeah. like the, the ice raids and things like that i mean that's where it's it is getting closer to a one-to-one but at the same time you know it's like the point is though it's a slow train. Right. You've got to stop it before it picks up speed. Right. And you've got, you, you can't just sit there and, yeah, and watch it go by. By the time you can point to it and say, now it's exactly like the Holocaust, right. it's too, too late. fucking late. Yeah. And I, you know, I had a friend, one of my, one of the friends, because I, I don't know if I mentioned I'm Jewish, but I am. Um, one of my friends who's an organizer asked me, Do you, are you offended by that, you know, kind of parallel? And, um, or actually that comparison. And I said, I, I felt like it's more of a parallel. And again, it's it's complicated. There's been a lot of analysis of it. But I think ultimately, if, it, if the awareness is raised and a lot of Jews are clearly identifying with this, you know, kind of red flag that's going off to say, hey, you know, we're looking at a, a parallel to what happened to us. And yeah, and targeting a particular group just because... They're what, trying to live here freely and trying to come to a safer country, uh, more a country where their lives can be better, you know. And it's also, it's the same thing in terms of like, it's, you find a scapegoat, you know, this culture, that culture, this group, and then it sprawls out from there. We're seeing that now with this uh, Antifa legislation they're trying to put out there which is extremely vague and for anyone who doesn't know antifa is not an organization it's something it's it's you you can just do it if you want to show up where fascist fascists are marching and just be there to rep stand against them if they're what they do in a lot of places is when people are harassed by fascists they help do protection and things like that it's a very narrow it's not an organization it's not a like it's just these are things that people who are anti-fascist do mm-hmm. and it's chilling to me that legislation just knowing that from you know the amount of people i know from occupy the shit i post and the vague way that antifa gets thrown away around as a term mm-hmm. that's going to be used to target uh activists and that's the sprawl that that's going to be really concerning is like you know it's the whole first they came for X, mm-hmm. then they came for Y and Z. It's not going to be a, a stretch before, like, you know, if they keep pu- the way I see it is they keep pushing how terrible these these camps are and more keeps coming out about how awful it is and more decent people become disturbed by that and more activists get disturbed by that and their actions become more and more confrontational. Mm-hmm. It's going to be the the pretense for a severe clampdown. Right. But I mean, I feel like we have to keep the momentum up in relation to what we're seeing, you know, coming out of this quote unquote administration, you know, just the vitriol and the hate. And I mean, don't even get me started on the fact that our supposed president doesn't seem to know how to express English Mm. in a cohesive thought, but just... I mean, the overt racism and the overt xenophobia and just the the general kind of hateful, disdainful attitude. I mean, it's just, it's really, I don't understand how how anybody is complacent about it. I mean, it's it's it makes me to the point where I can't really listen to his voice and I can't really listen to the news because, you know, eventually it'll go into something that's 
sets my blood boiling. But that's when I just go, okay, well, I mean, we're going to do a stand-up to Trump, you know, like this this Wednesday at 4.30 at Shaker Square. We're going to do a little stand-up to Trump, just a gathering. We're going to bring signs, and um, I'm going to bring my megaphone, which I keep in my trunk, just in case. And I have a couple speakers, and we're just going to hold signs when people are driving by and, you know, feel a lot of times we get a lot of support. I mean, a few people, you know, give us the finger, which is fine. But um, just, you know, a reminder, like, hey, okay, we're, we are still out here. We're still pissed. Uh, we still disagree. We still, we can still speak out and, you know, let anybody know. Even if people are just driving by, they don't want to participate, just letting them know, you know, hey, we're, we're, we're still out here. We, and we just can't forget what's going on. And, and I, I, well, I think the, the most frustrating thing about this administration is everything's so reactive. You know, I don't know what there's, has there been any progressive groups that have been able to mount like a, this is the long-term strategy for countering, you know, this paradigm we're under now. It's just been a constant like, oh shit, that's happening. Right. And this is happening and that's happening and how to maintain focus. Right. And the thing was, everybody was saying uh, last, I don't know, probably last, well, maybe around this time, maybe in, a little bit more into the fall. I was like, we can't wait because people would say, vote that we're going to vote them out midterms. We're, and I'm like, but right now, you know, do we, can we really wait? And then the midterms came and things, you know, did shift, but now we've got uh, Trump, you know, going after women of color and who who were fairly elected, and now we've got, you know, the uh, the uh, Mueller investigation, the Mueller report, the Mueller testimony. That's sort of like it blows my mind how many. I don't know. Maybe it's does every did everyone forget about Patrick Fitzgerald? What do you mean? Well, I. The Mueller thing is just it, it reminded me so much of that with the Patrick Fitzgerald investigation of the Bush mm. administration, like the Scooter Libby thing or whatever. But it was the exact same thing. Like, we've got this stand up guy who is a Republican, the same as Mueller. Right. And there was all this like liberal faith that he was going to somehow deliver this headshot to the Bush administration. And it didn't happen. It's yeah. like. And that's so I was just kind of cynical based on that from the Mueller report, just being like, I, I don't know. Where and then when it finally came out, the fact that he keeps saying, I can't prosecute him. Right. I can't do that. According to the policies, here's everything he did. And if I said he didn't do anything or if he didn't do anything, I would say as much. But I didn't say that. Right. Someone should say. And Congress just keeps asking. It's like he put the ball in your court. Trump's untouchable. That's the thing. I mean, that's the conclusion I've come to. He's, he's, he's for, I'm not, I mean, I have my theories on what reason, but he's, he truly, he and his cronies seem untouchable. I mean, it's money, it's big power, it's back scratching, it's dark backroom deals, some of which we've have well, a hint of. Also so disengaged from so many things. Like I, you know, when people, you know, the, the idea that Trump is in any way an opponent of the quote unquote, deep, what people will say is the deep state or whatever, or, or just. You know, these runaway agencies like maybe like the CIA or things like that. It's like they have had just complete hands off to do whatever they want under him. Dynamics are such there. It's, it's sort of like a perfect setup for him. You know, you asked about, you know, who can kind of keep up with with all the um, with all the issues and keep up with Trump and, you know, keep the momentum up. I mean, I think one of the issues we encounter, too, even locally and I think nationally, what, what I've noticed activism wise is you you you. You know, in Cleveland, you have a little bit of your east-west thing. You know, you have a you have um, strong activism presence on the west side, and then you've got some people who are focusing on the east side on um, already focusing on 2020 elections, which is crucial. And then you've got people who are specifically focusing on immigration, and then you've got you know someone like me who's who's I mean, I'm I'm kind of wherever I need to be, but I I am focused on. Trump in particular, and have participated in these large-scale immigration protests. So, I mean, I think, and then sometimes you see, I mean, I, there's a, there's another group that's working on immigration, an immigration demonstration. I think it's next weekend. And, I mean, you feel like sometimes you, we all need to really pull together a little more, but you don't want to tell somebody, you know, don't do this, don't, don't do this action, don't do that. And it's, I think, it, just like anything, it can be tricky to really coordinate 
even small scale efforts. It's kind of like the, I don't know, like on a collective level where, you know, it's the, the elephant in the, in the dark. And some people are doing this almost the same thing. And, you know, you just, you want to be efficient and productive. And that's, I mean, I think that's one of my areas is just kind of taking a big, long look at things and sort of see, you know, trying to pull a group together and having observed how, I mean, what, you know, some of these powerhouse organizers, what they do well and how they're connected. And, you know, so, I mean, I think that's or what I try the, to do. You also have, I mean, cause you can have like, you have your thing in, you know, stand up to Trump CLE. And if you, and, but then if you connect with like the Cuyahoga County Progressive Caucus, they're a really great just hub. Oh yeah. Of if you're on their newsletter, you know everything that's going right. on or about everything, whether right. it's like lead, lead problems in Cleveland or housing or, uh, yes, um, separation yeah, uh, they, protests and things like that. They will like always that. post your events. They've let us use their, when we had a meeting for Lights for Liberty, let us use their space, their physical space to meet. They are, you know, they're, that's, they're a great kind of hub and they've got some great people and we've had like Steve Haleko, he spoke. Who's my my first political guest, actually? Oh yeah, so yeah, yeah you've got people like Steve, and um, you know, it's just connecting to those folks, and then there's just a kind of a ripple effect down, and they they know you, and you know, it's I mean, there's definitely a strong uh, community here, and I'd like to see, I'd like to, I'd like people to feel like you were saying in the beginning to not feel intimidated about getting involved, and I mean, I think again, that's where I try to, I've, I've I mean, I met a woman who moved here um, from Arizona for a job. She moved here in the winter. And we, we met on a freezing uh, street corner when we were just doing a stand-up to Trump action. We were standing out there, and I think it was freezing rain or snow. I can't remember exactly what was coming down. But, um, you know, I just really tried to pull her in because I could see she had the passion and the the drive, but, you know, it was so new and so... I, I, you know, if I see, if I meet people like that, nurture to, it a bit. Oh, definitely. Who's, who doesn't, you know, who, who wants to do social media? Cause I'm not always that great with knowing what to post or how to post visually. So I'll say, Hey, you know, I would love to find somebody to do social media for stand up to Trump CLE, but I, I mean, I haven't found that person yet. So I'm like, okay, I'll just do it. It may not, you know, be beautiful, but I'm just going to keep doing it. So I think the people should feel if they want to connect in any way with this movement, you know, there it, it's out there and they, you can do it and you don't have to devote, you know, hours and hours of your week. There's no requirement. So again, I, you know, I get, I'm, I'm encouraging, but I also get a little frustrated that people don't get more involved. So whatever, you know, whatever the barrier is, which I, again, I think sometimes is fear and sometimes is laziness, mm -hmm. myself included, just, you know, cross that barrier. Yeah, it. I, I, I'm in that boat where I have pretty limited time, you know, just between jobs and, 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 and I'll always, though, I'll, I'll be kicking myself for extracurriculars. I'm like, why am I doing this stupid thing? It's like I should be finding some way to just, you know, push back a little bit. Um, I always have like, yeah, that kind of niggling guilt in the yeah, back of my head. Yeah, but the judgment's a waste of time, too. Yeah, honestly. it is. And, I you know, and but part of like the reason, you know... Um, I, you know, the, with the podcast, you know, some of it was like, oh, I, I, I really like the musicians that I've met in my life. And I was like, oh, I'd love to just put on a show, promote them. But I was also, this is the sort of thing where I'm like, I, I like the idea of just like, oh, become the media, just have, right. have well, on people, example. have your own you yeah. know, conversations. You just, you went ahead and did it. So it's open source it's radio. That's what the podcasts are there for, you know, and, and, and. And it's just been enjoyable for me to like, yeah, have a vehicle to connect with people like this because um, I've said many times before, it, the podcast is a great thing to just be like, hey, do you want to come over and just spend two hours talking to me about what you've done in podcast? Right. Like, it's a weird ask if yeah. I don't have a, a podcast. Yeah, I mean, it's it is and it isn't, you know. No, I mean, it's it's, it's a not great, like weird. Like you say, it's a vehicle. It would be refreshing, honestly, if someone was just like, can we just hang out and get into this shit? I'm like, right. I'd probably be like, yeah, let's yeah. do it. I mean, I we had a little margarita night last night with some of the activists and organizers because sometimes we'll we have a group chat and you know recently i said to the group oh my goodness you know i said i don't even know if i can take another day i'm really i don't even know if i want to stay in this country honestly and you know people were saying you know try to be encouraging and then the one woman says you know we need a margarita night and i'm like yeah that 
That's good. So, you know, we got together more informally. Of course, we ended up talking about politics and activism and so on. Mm. But we also just hung out and, um, you know, maybe recharged a little bit for to continue the fight. You know, it's a, a problem on the left that I've, I've heard about for a long time. Like, you know, I remember reading in, in books that mention about like kind of like institutional problems the left has is there's that in, in a lot of like the left side of politics, there's this like, well, you're in the good fight. Mm-hmm. That's 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 your reward. You get to <laughs> have that warm fuzzy. Right. I think you just you just really have to have a drive for it, whatever that means. And I, I mean, again, you know, you heard a little bit about what and why I'm driven. And I, I mean, I don't really think about the financial reward too much. Although, you know, I have no. My my point is just that there the. There's a dis, there's, there's a, a disadvantage because yeah. on the right you can they have that yeah, I mean can, just look at like look at the, the the Koch brothers trail of snaking shitty money <laughs> and like the only reason like Talking Points USA and 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 Ben Shapiro and all these things it's funny like when you you can go now you can just look up Facebook pages uh, advertising spend mm. and you can see how much money they pay. That, you know, just to get these posts in front of right. people all the time. And then, right. yeah, all these people have, you know, there's there's think tanks and, and, and these institutions that, you know, are there and they're funded. Right. And they have this army of people who it's their jobs right. to go forcefully push for far right policies. And I don't see a mirror of that anywhere no, on think, the left. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's. I mean, George Soros. I mean, I haven't gotten my Soros check. I would <laughs> still, love a Soros check. Still waiting for that. Yeah. Day. I'm not sure what the remedy is to that. It's just sort of the thing I noticed. It's like, well, if you're going to fight for these pol- policies, you're going to have to be the scrappy mm-hmm. underdog. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that kind of goes with the territory to some degree. Although you meet out in the activism world, it's just very interesting, you know, the people you meet. I mean, because I've met people not necessarily of the same backgrounds, but they just have, they have the same spirit, you know? And I, I mean, that's been refreshing, especially with this latest group of activists I've met. I mean, we just, we've really meshed well on our vision and our passion, but um, all very different people and, you know, different personalities, different backgrounds, living on different sides of town, you know, single partnered kids not kids different ages so it's been kind of i mean i i love a diverse group of people with a common goal i mean that's dreamy to me yeah do you see um so one of the things i'm always kicking myself for is like i never i never call my representatives do you ever do that I, and I've read articles, too, that, that will sit there and kind of say it's not effective or it's wildly effective. And I never know, like, when is the right time? How is the best way to do it? And it's one of those things where I think, like, I could be doing that every day. I mean, I think that I have a I have a different opinion than, you know, perhaps some on it. I mean, I feel my general attitude towards phone call versus uh, another means of communication is sort of, I mean, I find phone calls sometimes just a little bit uh, passe, but I think that in terms of a means of communication and call, I mean, I think there's no wrong, uh, there's nothing wrong with calling your representative and speaking out and knowing that you're a constituent and knowing that there's nothing wrong with that. You're not being obnoxious. You're not bothered. Well, who cares if you're bothered? I mean, do bother someone because a lot of our local folk and nationally, they're not doing anything. They're not really doing anything. We've had, I mean, I've done probably eight to 10 small scale stand up to Trump events. I've we've invited local politicians. Not one has showed up once. I think one guy, one time a candidate for judge showed up to one. And one time someone who unsuccessfully ran in a different county, she came. But um, I find, I think that we should be bothering them, whether it is by phone call, whether, uh, email, by um, tagging them on social media. I mean, I think that I think we should be bothering them. We've gone down as stand up to Trump. We have gone down to Portman's office. We've gone to Brown's office. We, I mean, you can make an appointment and you may talk to a, 
you know, a junior, junior staffer, but you, your, your views will be recorded and you, it doesn't make a difference. Maybe, but I mean, I think the sustained momentum, I think continued expression of whatever it, you, you want to say, I think is a good thing. So, I mean, overall, and I, again, who, I mean, nobody has the time or inclination to go to, uh, a public official's office uh, once a week or once a month, maybe even, but I mean, it's easy enough to just put it out there uh, on your own with a call or whatever means of communication you prefer. And we were actually talking about this last night, you know, what, again, what means of action is going to really push this activism to an actual change? You know, we talked about the civil rights movement where, uh, clearly social activism eventually made policy change. So what was that like? And people were saying, well, people put their bodies on the line, you know, people put their lives on their line, you know, are we ready to do that? And it's, you know, it's interesting, again, probably a whole other show, but um, it's interesting to think, you know, how far would any of us go? And it's, it's, I think it's, it's tricky to compare now to the civil rights movement in any, in some ways, because it's such a different time and there's different dynamics, but you know, what is going to be, what's going to push things to the next level? Well, I've done, I've done bits of activist training. That's where I realized like I have this strange for, for someone who will get up and do theater or I will go to open mics and extemporaneously just make up a, you know, just riff on a, a story or something, or I'll do, I'm do, I do podcasts. Mm-hmm. I'm extremely timid about calling representatives. I did. I think a jet just yes. landed on my street. Cool. Okay. Um, uh, so I did some activist training with this group, uh, Wolfpack. Their mm-hmm. focus was getting a constitutional amendment um, via like state legislatures, sort of this end game around Congress, uh, specifically about getting money out of politics. Um, and so I went through their training, and it was really enlightening, especially you say like the civil rights movement. Um, learning that like there was a real theory theory of change and that Rosa Parks wasn't just a one woman who one day just randomly got fed up. That was their plan. Like, you're going to be the one to do this. And she was like a full-time activist. And that they, that there was a, like I said, the theory of change behind these things and, and stuff like that. And, and I, have to, I haven't gone as deep into understanding activist theory like that as I'd like to. But where I was really like, no matter how much training and documentation I went through about like, well, this is what it is to call and lobby your congressman. I was just like scared to do it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think. Or not just your congressman, your state representative. Right. But I mean, I think now, especially with online, I mean, there's so many tools, there are scripts, there are, there's resist bot, there's so many different means of where you can, it can just be put in front of you or you can copy and paste a script or, you know, you don't have to make something up. You don't have to start a speech. I mean, you can, if you want to make a call, hold it in front of you and just read it off. Or if you're downtown and, you know, you want to, I mean, you could, you can do anything. You could stand in front of Portman's office by yourself. I mean, I've stood on corners by myself with signs and I mean, again, what does it do? Well, I mean, I'm out there and, pe- and, and there's a visibility, and I'm stating that my dissatisfaction. So, I mean, it's up to you. You know, it's how do you, how do you think you want to use your time? But I don't think any kind of activism that's, you know, a little bit, even a little bit thought out, I don't think there, you can go wrong. That's why I keep my megaphone in my trunk. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so speaking of which, actually, tomorrow I am going to attend. Uh, there is a town hall meeting with uh, Marsha Fudge, mm-hmm. our congressman. Um, th- I don't know if it's specifically for this, but the CP, uh, the CPCC, CCPC mm-hmm. <laughs> put out an email, um, uh, an event that to go and pressure her on impeachment. Nice. And that is actually something I'm going to be. I am reading up on and I want to go there and make that case specifically referencing the points mm-hmm. in this book um, I did the website for uh, I randomly through activism I got hooked up with um, someone who man, like the, this group that has impeached Donald Trump now.org mm-hmm. and they had 
the website they needed rebuilt. I'm like, so I rebuilt that. Nice. And then they're like, oh, we also, we need this, uh, the impeachment project site built, ah. which is like a coalition of other impeachment groups and yeah. to push this book. I'm like, okay. And then it's like, and you can do our, our website, the free speech for people oh, group. And I'm it. like, oh, cool. I is I rarely get to apply like my web developments mostly towards like soulless advertising and shit like that. But I've been like going through this, highlighting and preparing like to say, you know, make the points for impeachment. I'm curious that, you know, um, we can wind things down. I'm, um, I wanted to know uh, if what your thoughts are on impeachment, um, what the appropriate grounds would be for them. And if it's better to go that route or to just see if 2020 plays out like a normal election. I mean, I think there are, I'm sure you've heard and read, you know, there are a number of schools of thought on the impeachment process. I mean, I think pushing forward with impeachment, I think even if it's symbolic, I think that it's, it's a positive thing. I, I mean, I, I organized the impeachment um, event through moveon.org back, I think it was in April or so. And I mean, I think that, you know, now after uh, the Mueller, the Mueller testimony, there was another, you know, kind of push. I mean, there's another sort of small ripple uh, to push for impeachment. I mean, I would say, I mean, my personal view is I'm not, you know, it's not at the top of my list, but it's certainly it's probably in my top, you know, five to ten. And I, I, I think even if it's, again, just something that I just but I, I like I said, I think I just don't think it's going to happen because Trump seems to have that sort of untouchable quality that I mentioned earlier. Uh, but again, I don't I don't think it's worth giving up on the idea of and I think pressuring our officials like, you know, like fudge. I mean, you know, I don't also like to to necessarily um, go off on a particular, except Trump. I mean, I don't like to go off on public officials per se, but I think she needs to do something. I mean, she needs to do anything. You know, she's to, to me, she's just I mean, I, I follow her on social media and I, you know, I try to keep up on what she's talking about. But she, there's just not much she's talking about. And it's it's pretty frustrating. She, is, is she just sort of in a comfortable position where she can just well, that's, coast well, that's as, as a representative? And she knows that, you know, she's got enough support, although she's got a lot of people who are vocally unhappy with her. But again, she, it's not really, you know, I mean, there's a parallel to Trump. It's like it's not really hurting her. She's still, you know, sitting in an office. She's, she's sitting in her position. And um, I yeah, I would say going to, you know, her town hall and pressing that impeachment idea is, is I, I definitely support that because, I mean, I just, I feel, again, like, it's really frustrating with some of these public officials. Wake the F up, you know? I mean, do I you think, look well, the, out your window and see what's going on? I think a lot of them just, uh, and this is, goes for a lot of uh, America, too, I mean, think that th they recognize Trump is, is uniquely bad, but they think this is just some blip. And the status quo will eventually just, it's like, no, there's no more status quo. Now, this is an urgent right. divergence of the status quo. And we have to decide where we're going to realign when Trump is gone right. by whatever means. My, my stance on impeachment is I really worry about what happens if we don't impeach. Like if all the things he's done in this book, everyone I would really recommend look at it or get it, rent it, check it out, whatever. Uh, Read the bullet points or the quotes on Goodreads because it's it's not about Russia. The the uh, there's so many things that he from day one, the second he took office, he was violating the emoluments mm -hmm. clause by making money off of all of his properties. Right, and he is directly making money. There's a very thin shell game he's doing with how the money is there, yeah, but no dummy, that alone. And and then the yeah lying and then people pointing out that like the remarks he said about the representatives going back to their own country that that would fall under being a racist remark under federal guidelines right like so like there's no end to things to and if we don't impeach this president for that right what's, then what what's the next why would any president ever rein his him or herself in right I see what you're saying and I think you know going he, back or, just in one yeah. analogy that kind of is popped into my head too is when people say like oh what about Pence it's like like, okay, look, if there was a house across the street with a family and the the head of the family, we found out was a murderer or, or doing awful crimes, you're not going to say, well, if we 
take him away, like then his kids are going to be uh, taken care of by his brother and his brother is like a shady guy too. It's like, then you take them both out. Right. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and for people who say that like, you know, if we successfully impeached pre uh, Trump and that worked, like, you know, and people worry about like, what about Pence? It's like, you don't think Pence is going to be realize he's on a fucking tightrope? Right. I mean, because that would be seismic for us to actually sure. impeach him. Right. Um, and and I, the other thing with impeachment is that I sometimes think, like, is that the only real viable route to getting him out of office? Because I really wonder, are we all being a little naive thinking that, like, this guy's just going to allow himself to be voted out? I mean, never mind the fact that the GOP's... Uh, uh, all of the means of voter suppression they have at their disposal from voter ID laws to shady electronic machines to voting purges that just 30 million people were purged recently. It was right. revealed by the Hill across all these states um, that they're, we're just going to win an election and this is going like it's it's starting to feel naive to me. It's why I haven't I'll pay attention to the 2020 candidates and, and maybe like, you know, here or there, but I haven't really backed up pony because i'm sort of wondering like what is it gonna matter right yeah and i, I think i think you know, on a fundamental level you're very right and i think just going back just for a moment to marcia fudge i think it's disturbing that she has not i mean i don't you know for me i mean i happen to be white i don't you know i don't care if you're black or you're white but if you stand by and don't say anything against the vehement racism that Trump spews, you know, all this stuff with uh, the Representative Cummings and in the Baltimore, you know, calling Baltimore a rat-infested hellhole. And, I mean, his overt and his covert racism. And if you don't stand up against this and at least say that it's wrong, then you've got a really big problem. I just don't think you even belong in a public position. I mean, again, you look at civil rights and you look at the that what was done we i mean we you know i think it was um i don't remember if it was jesse jackson who said it i've said it and you know whoever i'm quoting we cannot go backwards man i mean we cannot go backwards in terms of racial injustice and 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 the way the fundamental way we see people i mean i am not going backwards i you know i i that makes my blood boil so you know marcia fudge you know, get out there and at least friggin' say something against this. She's been a longtime listener of the show, so I hope... She Hello. <laughs> hope you're out there, Marsh. Let um, us know. Yeah, um, and, and that's the thing. I, the other thing with the 2020 race is I, I, I've got to... It, 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 and I, I'm failing at it, but this, you know, getting sucked into it every four years... And and what I would say, like six out of eight times, it's been a disappointment in my life or whatever. I don't know how many presidential elections I've paid attention to at this point, mm -hmm. but at least, the you know, like the two times Obama won. And I was like, all right, well, that's what I wanted. At yeah, least. yeah. Um, dream. But eh, the <laughs> as, as a far left, I, I, I get frustrated with like that, that during the Obama years. I was trying, you know, me and, me, you know, not just me, I mean, but like anyone who was kind of disturbed by things in the Bush years and then saw them continue under Obama calling it out, were told to like, Shh, you're helping the Tea Party or it's mm -hmm. like, but the point of like a lot of that criticism of Obama that I had was like, he's going to pass on these powers to someone you won't like. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what has happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... I guess I want to wrap things up just uh, by finding out what do you what do you have going on in, in the future? And is there anything anywhere I can point people to that they can help out with um, the organizing that you're doing? Yeah. So we're on Facebook and Twitter at um, Stand Up to Trump CLE. And I think I mentioned earlier, but this Wednesday, the 8th of august 8th we're going to be at Chamber i'm going to try Square. and get the episode out, out before. on wednesday so yeah. it might be today yeah so um yeah we're going to gather at shaker square from 4 30 to 6 we have a couple speakers bring your signs just again kind of a communal get together a little bit you know an action but um just to to retain that visibility and to keep the momentum going and then we have the never again action which i'm not directly involved in but i know what's going on next 
Sunday, August 11th at 4 at Suburban. Oh, wait, you said Wednesday? That's the 7th, oh, right? 7th. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so we'll have to correct that. I had, a, I was thinking, yeah, it's summer, you know, the days fade together. Um, yeah, so Wednesday, uh, 4.30 at Shaker Square, and then Sunday at Suburban Temple Cole on Mian Chagrin Boulevard, there's the Never Again action at 4, from 4 to 5 p.m. And I mean, I'm always working, uh, you know, keeping my eye out on what's going on and still connected to this kind of core group of activists to see how we can collaborate, continue collaborating. I mean, we're often collaborating on, you know, someone's asking for um, a speaker that we had or, you know, is working on a new initiative or, you know, just finding ways to continue the momentum. So I've just always got my eye out on what's going on. I try to keep my eye out, not bury my head in the sand, which is tempting too. Well, sometimes you got to do that, but that's that's why Netflix is there with lots of documentaries. That <laughs> oh wait, those those are I would not like the a same. comedy. I think <laughs> Crazy Ex Girlfriend is what I'm watching right now. I got to check that one it's out. It's so funny, so good. I've heard a lot of good things. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I want to thank you so much for coming over, Jane, and uh, maybe checking with you in the future, and keep doing everything you're doing. Okay. Really thanks. Appreciate it. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, like any struggling podcast, I can always use a little iTunes love with a five-star rating or swing by the Facebook page, throw a like my way, maybe a couple of comments. And if you really, really like the show, you can kick a couple of bucks my way at patreon.com slash bzdug. That's B-Z-D-U-G. Okay, that's it. End of podcast. Enjoy whatever it is you're about to do next. Thanks. Bye.